Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Hi, welcome back to The Coaching Show. I am Alex Terranova, normally your co-host, stepping in to moderately sized shoes. I don't want to call them big shoes, but Christopher McAuliffe's shoes. He, what are we on? Like three, four weeks now. I think this is him like almost like slipping out the back door and just like leaving this show in my lap. Uh, Christopher uh, was unable to be here with us today. So we have our co-host that we've had for the last few weeks. Craig Cassie is back. How are you, man? Good. Surprise. I'm still here <laughs> a month in and you haven't been able to get rid of me yet. <laughs> this is how it started with me, right? Christopher, I came in to substitute like two or three years ago for Christopher's old co-host. And, you know, she's she's not with us anymore. Um, well, I shouldn't say it like that. She's she's with us. She's just not with us here on this podcast. She's wonderful, but she lives somewhere else. Um it's great to have to make you back. It dramatic I sounding. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you see what I did there. Um, so again, let me just introduce us really quick for people that haven't, you know, maybe didn't listen to the last episode or two when we've been here. I'm Alex Terranova. I'm normally your co-host. Um, I host the Dream Mason podcast, which is my normal show. You can find me at thedreammason.com. Catch me on Instagram at inspiration. Alex. I work with wildly successful people who aren't living wildly successful lives. Those kind of people that made all this money, got all the achievements, but somehow life didn't amount to what they thought it was going to be. And Craig, you, yours is way more exciting. You're a professional <laughs> life coach, a coach trainer. Sorry, I should, a professional executive life coach, a coach trainer. You're a sex coach. You support clients to allow, uh, to create and allow adventure and authenticity all over their lives. What else do you want to share with people? From the boardroom to the bedroom. So if you are feeling only halfway fulfilled in your business, in your C-suite, or in your relationship, I am the queer man for you. I'm happy to help you out. (laughs) And we find you, your website is Craig. I'm going to spell your last name for people, but Craig, C-A-S-S-E-Y dot com. And then your Instagram is Craig C-A-S-S-E-Y Jr. And uh, you all are constantly dropping gems over there. And we should tell people because this is kind of cool. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I just got invited to a house in Mexico for a week spontaneously. And the first thing I thought about is, first off, what do I do with my dog? Can I bring her across the border? How does that work? But second, can I record podcasts? You know, clients are easy. I'll figure that out. And then you hop on today to help us record it last minute, I should say, which is awesome that you made that happen. Thank you. And you're sitting, I feel like you're in the woods in a car, but yeah, you made it happen. Yeah, we're in rural Michigan at a lake where my phone doesn't even actually work. So by the the nature of my partner's parents, very powerful Wi-Fi connection, I'm able to take all my calls and even my podcast meeting here in his mother's car. So thank you, Mama Summerfell, if you're listening to this. But yeah, if you can coach anywhere, I don't see why I can't podcast everywhere as well. And you've and you've convinced them that you're not in the car hiding from the family. 
I say that. I think they believe that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his sisters might question it, but they do see me talking at a screen. So either I'm really losing it on this family trip or what I says checks out. <laughs> so I'll That's let you awesome. know in a week once the family group messages start coming through. <laughs> I think what you're, I'm going to introduce our guest in one second, but I think what you just talked about is one of the coolest aspects about coaching. And I don't know how much I realized it when I started, but coaching, podcasting, writing, creating content, they're all things we can do anywhere and everywhere all the time. And so, you know, when you get those clients or those new coaches that have all these reasons and excuses of why they can't start a podcast or why they can't write their book or why they don't have the right setup to, you know, coach their clients. Once you've been at it for a little while, you realize, wait a minute, I could be sitting. I I, don't, I almost want to ask all, all of us. And I'm going to, when I introduce our guests, I want to know the weirdest place I've ever coached is sitting on a lawn in Venice beach. Um, which I'll tell you that story in a second, but I want to hear where the weirdest place that you all have coached, but let me introduce our guest first. Our guest is a master certified coach. He is the director of training for coach net Fluxify. You can find him at coachnet.org. He co-founded the team for the Coach Global Alliance. He's a top-rated professor at the World Business and Executive Coach Summit. Not professor, sorry. The top-rated presenter for the World Business and Executive Coach Summit. He wrote a book called Coaching Hacks, Simple Strategies to Make Every Conversation More Effective. I could go on and on. Jonathan writes, thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to be here. I, I know you're going to ask me the weirdest place I've ever coached. Well, we got to start with it because that that randomly came up. I, I don't think Craig's car is the weirdest for him, but what about yeah, for you? I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. Probably uh, an infinity pool on nice. the top of a hotel in Kuala Lumpur, Asia. And I stuck my ear AirPods into my ears, literally walked into the pool. I wasn't even thinking. I was so engaged in the conversation, just walked right into the pool. Then I thought to myself, my phone is way over there. I really hope this starts. I really hope the, the AirPods stay connected. And they did. And the conversation went well. And my client had no idea. My client was in Chicago and I was in Kuala Lumpur. And they had no idea what was going on around me. And it was mass hysteria. I love that. I've definitely coached in a pool. Whenever I'm near water, my clients think I'm in a bath, which is a little awkward. <laughs> Craig, what about you? What's the weirdest place you've ever coached? <laughs> I mean, there's a very, very long list. I think the most unlikely though for me is I was out at a restaurant one evening wrapping up and this was like a, a three hour restaurant stay where I was both with people, without people for an hour and then with people again for a second meal. I'm a huge foodie. So I love just living in restaurants as long as I can. But I actually took a coaching call in the back alleyway where they were bringing out all the food and throwing it out and whatnot. So here I am pacing with my client on the other side. They had an emergency and I had free space uh, filled with the aroma of uh, steak frites. <laughs> it was a French restaurant and building a hankering, not just for transformation, but for a whole nother round of a three course meal. So food and alleyways is probably the, the most bizarre place that I've, I've coached. It seems like a current theme in your life. Um, I, which, I, which part is the theme, the food or the alley? <laughs> I think maybe both. It depends on the weeknight or the this weekend. Just took, this just took a very dark turn. I actually, while you were saying that, Craig, I had this thought. I'm, I'm lying. The, the, the lawn in Venice Beach is not the weirdest place. I coached a client from the back of a horse trailer in the middle of, I don't know if we were in Arizona or Utah, 
we were, I was in with my last relationship. We were moving horses from San Diego to South Dakota and I had client calls and we had to make a town that there would actually be reception. So we weren't in between in the middle of the desert and we found a town and it was like, you know, there's just a truck stop. So they, you know, walked the horses around and let the dogs out while I sat in the back of the horse trailer and took a client call. I was going to say lawn in Venice beach. That's not that weird. I've coached on a lawn in Venice beach. <laughs> um, Jonathan, I want to, uh, what, what do we need to know about you besides the fact that you coach in luxurious pools in beautiful countries? You, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned, you mentioned that, that we start here. Cause I, I just did a, uh, an inventory of my coaching practice compared to five years ago. Cause I noticed completely by accident, I have exactly the same number of clients that I have that I had on, on this date five years ago. So, and, and I'd love to tell you that was a strategy, that that was a plan, that that was exactly what I was aiming for. It was, it was a, it was a happy accident, but here's, here's the difference. Five years ago, 92% of my clients were people that I could get in my car and drive to, to go visit. Today, I have clients in 16 countries. And that, that I think is a, that's more of a reflection in my opinion of, of how the world has changed than how my coaching practice has changed. You know, because the, the things that, that really knit together my clients are, are twofold. Number one, they're leaders, meaning somebody is following them. And number two, they're starting something new. And access to people that can help us with the things that are challenging us, I think has completely changed. It's one of the really positive legacies, in my opinion, of the COVID-19 pandemic, is that we've realized that access to people who can be incredibly helpful to us is literally a click on their phone screen away. And I don't think we were thinking that way three years ago. Now, this is great news for uh, this is great news for, for coaches, I think, because we have the skill set that people are looking for. So that's, a, that, that, that's an interesting, uh, at least I think it's interesting, uh, introduction into the conversation. The other thing that's important to know about me is that I have not always been a coach. Uh, my first career was in the radio and television business. Uh, I spent uh, a bunch of years getting up earlier than anybody you know to, to do morning radio or morning television. And that was a really interesting way to launch into the coaching world. And cause that's actually how it happened is television got me into coaching. Uh, I, I, I realized that I got asked to be a part of a team and realized that, Hey, what this guy was doing with this team that I was on, that was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Because I don't tell this part of the story real often because shortly before that experience, I saw myself on HDTV for the first time and I realized I have an analog face in a high definition digital world and my TV career was going to come screeching to a halt. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. I, I want to, thanks for sharing that. I want to go back a second because you kind of talked about leaders and people that are starting something new. Yeah which has me look right to, you know, I think of, I don't know if you actually said the word, but innovation, people that are innovating. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? What, what does it take to be an innovator? I, I think there's a, there's a couple of themes that come up around innovation pretty consistently. Number one is that tendency to experiment. You know, I think we have this, this really uh, sort of inaccurate picture of an innovator 
It's somebody that's constantly pushing the edges and constantly, you know, coming up with new ideas. We love creativity, especially Americans. We love creativity. We love that person that has the wild out of the box, creative ideas. And that's, that's a huge part of it that, that, that I'm biased maybe because I think of myself that way. So I obviously, I naturally look at other people, look for that in other people, but I think there's a more underrated piece of the, uh, of, of the innovation puzzle. And I learned this from a guy named Dan Harrison, who lives in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Uh, when he says the other part of the innovation conversation is persistence. You know, so you can be as creative as you want, but if you're not persistent enough to follow through on making something worthwhile out of that innovation, that, that that's going to be a very different kind, kind of innovation. It's going to be the kind of, a, you know, throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks kind of innovation, which is not how the world changes. Now, all that to say in my coaching practice, those have two very different coaching strategies. Coaching for experimenting is one thing which is fun. It's exciting. There's all kinds of different possibilities. You know, the, the, I think, I think we, as coaches, we overvalue that sometimes because the other strategy of coaching for persistence, coaching for intentional strategy, coaching for the kinds of things that really are the things that drive us forward in life. Those are the, that requires a very different coaching strategy than coaching for the light bulb moment for the breakthrough. And I'm not, I'm not sure coach training schools do a great job of setting us up. And I say that as a guy who runs a coach training school, I'm not sure we do a great job of setting coaches up to coach for persistence because it's just not as fun. It's not as sexy. It's not as alluring as coaching for that wild breakthrough moment. But in a lot of times, I think it makes more of a difference when you coach for persistence. So that, that, uh, that's what comes to mind for me when you say, Hey, what is it about coaching for innovation? And that hits so close to home, John, because I, I get hired all the time by people who want support around their persistence. Like they've created the ideas and they just run away from them. They put their hands on the stove for a minute and they're off. And they want to know why, what's wrong, what am I not doing? What could I change? And I find when we go down the path of uh, creative exploration, sometimes it's their out. Like they get to play without actually being in the, the field of where their work needs to be. So when you're met with, with people who might be using this creative exploration as an out, what's some wisdom you might be able to give to our listeners who are looking for a way to come back to coaching persistence? Let's, let's think about this in terms of coaching presence. You know, and, and I think the, um, I don't want to say the traditional view of coaching presence, but a, but a familiar view is that Coaching presence is the way the, the coach shows up in those conversations. And, you know, what it, what it is that the coach does that makes that creative exploration possible. Well, I'm going to suggest there's a different way to look at coaching presence that gets more at um, the persistence conversation. And that is to think about coaching presence as a multiplier for all of the other competencies. Now, I'm an ICF coach. I'm in the process of getting an EMCC credential, but I'm an ICF coach. So I use, I use that competency model as I think about how coaching makes a difference. But what if coaching presence is not primarily or not exclusively a standalone competency? What if coaching presence is actually a multiplier for all the other competencies? 
And, and that becomes a different way to think about how we creatively explore. So I would say as a coach, first and foremost, when somebody, when you're realizing that that creative exploration is actually an escape, a way to avoid the hard work that actually would move you forward, your opportunity then is to use your coaching presence to multiple, multiply those, those seventh and eighth competencies, you know, evokes awareness and then facilitating client growth. And, and I think the challenge for us as coaches is to decide which of the three intelligences actually are speaking into what happens for our client. Is this a head situation? You know, where, where you just know, you know, I, 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 I see a better plan for you. I want, I want to nudge you down that road. Is this a heart situation where it's actually the emotions? You know, when someone's using creative exploration to, to avoid the thing they know will move them forward, the emotion there is dread. There, there's dread of some other kind of, of outcome. You know, they dread who that outcome would make them be, or, or, or they fear that. Sometimes you have to get your client to be able to say that. Now, the, the, the third intelligence is that gut level intelligence, where it's that intuition. You just know sometimes, hey, there's something deeper here. The whole key, regardless of which intelligence you take, which regardless of which strategy you use to have your coaching presence multiply that, that outcome for the, the client, the, the key is to get the client to say it. Because if the client won't say it, you've got no chance of actually helping them move forward in, in, in that conversation. You know, and how you get there, you know, I would suggest your presence is the thing that opens up those possibilities. So let's talk about how, like what that means, like how how we generate presence, how we show up. Um, you know, I, I was just I uh I was just in Los Angeles with old friends. And I noticed that when you're with old friends, you revert back to like old behaviors, old ways of being. And the only difference between me doing that now and the way I used to do it is I'm really aware of it. I'm like, Ooh, why did I, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Um, and I can, and I have more consciousness to actually be like, no, be the person that you've been practicing being, working on being. And same thing in coaching, right? Like, Hey, I want to, I want my presence to, I want to practice being the coach I'm trying to become, not the coach that I started out as. How do you how do you view presence and how do we like improve and grow at it? Number one thing I'm going to call BS on something that is always taught in coaching schools. <laughs> nice. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say flat out that that unconditional positive regard, that neutral presence that that coaches love um, embracing. I don't think exists. Not only do I not think it exists, I think striving for it is counterproductive in coaching. Because sociology tells us the related discipline to the psychology that we all embrace in coaching. Positive psychology would also support this. Sociology tells us that every time we interact with another person, a little bit of us rubs off on them. Just like a little bit of them rubs off on us. You know, I've just I've just undermined or I've just uh, named the um, the uh, core of what Craig's coaching practice is all about. You know, the whole rubbing off on each other kind of thing. I, I don't know. Can I can I make that joke, Craig? Do I know you well enough to make that joke? <laughs> 
You're welcome to. I can All agree right. or disagree, but I will say I love what you're speaking to, like owning that our being impacts our client. Understanding that there is some part of us that is going to stay with our clients just by the very nature of human interaction. We, we can't help that. So yeah, being yeah. really clear about what I want to leave with my client is a part of understanding your coaching presence, you know, and, and your example of being with old time friends, that, that that's a great one, Alex, because it's very easy to, to lapse back into what was comfortable and take our eyes off the intentionality of what it actually means to choose what we're going to leave behind with our clients. Now, this is different than, than offering advice and offering guidance, all those things that coaches are, are told we're not supposed to do. This is different. This is an unconscious trust and safety question that is going to happen whether we're paying attention to it or not. So my challenge to us as coaches is pay attention to it because positive things come from that. Yeah. Like I love it's, I love that. It's a, I love that you say it's, it's impossible because it, I don't, we're not robots, right? We can't be completely neutral about anything, right? We have right. a, right. Even if we don't say it, there's an energy around it. There's a way of being around it. There's a, um, there's thoughts that we have around it. And, and even where we take our next question or we, you know, however we pose or whatever we say, even if it's a completely open-ended neutral question, it came from somewhere inside of us that was spawned by, right, the interaction. Um, I love that you take that and say, hey, it's like not wrong. We're not making that wrong. You're not a bad coach for for being a human being. Right, right. Um, but you got to be you. you know, I, yeah. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. My, my first mentor coach used to, he had a go-to question. It was, and, and I can't say it. It sounds really funny when I say it. And it, when he said it, it was perfectly natural and 100% work. The question was, how can we increase the learning in this experience? I would never say that. It, it would not work coming from me. In fact, it's 20 some odd years ago when he used to use this question. And I've just now gotten to the place where I don't laugh when I say that question, because it was so foreign for me, for me, but it was 100% natural for him. And I, it took me probably, well, I, it, I don't think it was double digit years, but it was working on double digit years before I finally said, you know what, just because it worked for him, I don't need to say that all the time. I can just leave that alone and find my own way uh, of saying that. And, and, and hilariously enough, my own way of saying that turned out to be what else can we learn in this situation, uh, rather than the, the very formal, the very uh, academic kind of approach that he took, which reflected who he was and how he preferred to work with people. No, I mean, be who you are. That's the power of this whole thing. That's the beauty of this whole thing. And, you know, quite honestly, there is a large movement in coaching that is going to tell you, no, don't do that. Be a coaching robot. But you know what? That's why we have artificial intelligence. You know, that, that, that's why I'm not worried about artificial intelligence replacing coaches. 
because artificial intelligence doesn't have that human thing that rubs off. And that's the secret sauce that we all offer. That's the thing. You know, you got, you got to find the clients that want that from you, but then give it to them, give the people what they want for goodness sake. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, um, I see like there's two kind of different paradigms in the coaching world right now. There's like the, you know, ICF trained coaches that, that like I've been called old school based on coming from that model. Right. And then there's like kind of the internet based coaches who come from other paradigms, other, you know, maybe they studied other things, but they, they didn't go and get, you know, credentials. And again, I'm not saying either one is better or worse than the other. They're different. But what I notice is let's say the traditional model has the like, Hey, this is how you're supposed to do it. Don't do this, do this. This is the best way to be a coach. The other model kind of has the, like, anyone can be a coach, just bring who you are. And at least for me, the thing I've been trying to blend is like, how do you blend those two together? Which Mm -hmm. is kind of what I hear you saying is, is I want the, I want to learn from people before me who had, who have been successful. There's, there's every industry is built off right? Those that came before us. And there's something to say about the, the, the uniqueness and the innovation that like the untraditionally trained are also bringing in. Now there's, to your point, like there's, there's negatives to both of these, right? I don't want to work with a coach who's a robot and follows all the rules. And I don't want to work with somebody who's floating on a yoga mat and there's no like grounding in it, you know, no grounding or, or discipline, let's say. You know, what do to you, me, the, par- to me the parallel is uh, w- one of the other things I do in, in, in my life is I'm a jazz musician. I'm a, I'm, I'm a bass player and learning to play jazz is kind of the parallel I like because th- that really fits in three phases, which in my mind, I've mapped against the ACC, PCC, MCC continuum that the, the ICF uses. Now, when you're first starting, you're learning the scales and you're getting technique right. And, you know, you're, you're, you're really learning to, to um, make the, the, the tunes that you hear in your head come out of your instrument. And you've got an expectation of what that's going to be like and what that tune is going to sound like. And it's, it's, it's mostly about you. It's mostly about you and what, what you expect. Nothing wrong with that. That can be incredibly helpful. The next level, though, is when you start really listening to the other musicians around you, namely your clients, and you're you're starting to make music together. And and I I I met my my wife in a in a musical group. My wife's a singer, you know, and like I say, I'm the bass player. And I really, well, for a whole bunch of other reasons, I really paid close attention to what she was doing when we were when we were playing together. But and I noticed that not only did did I find my wife from doing that, it made me a better player. It it it, in, it tuned me into what was happening, not just in the vocals, but in in what the rhythm guitar player was doing. You know, the the drummer I was always paying attention to because bass players and drummers, you know, really, there's a reason why they call it the rhythm section. And, and you know, the drummer I was always paying attention to. And but but Joy showing up in this group got me really thinking around thinking about what was going on around me. And moving to the PCC level, moving to the, the, the next level of coaching is really based on partnership and hearing what's going on around you and, 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 and reacting along those lines, or, you know, acting and reacting 
including all the things that are that, that are going on around you. But then there's that other level where there's that thing. And, you know, there's a video that, that floats around on the internet. You, in fact, I, I urge every coach to, to find this. Because there, there's a story of Herbie Hancock talking about playing with Miles Davis. And Herbie Hancock played a clunker. He played, he played a chord that was completely wrong. And Miles heard it and stopped and then continued his solo, including the mistake that Herbie made. So he made Herbie <laughs> right in, in the process. And, and it's magical. And there's video, you can actually, there's two videos floating around. There's one of actually of the moment and you can see it. And Miles just has this moment where he just boils over internally for a second. And then he uses what he's got what he's been given and he turns it into something new and innovative and different like that. He breaks the rules, if you will. And then there's a video of Herbie talking about this moment where he, where he had this moment of, Oh crap, I'm fired. I'm out of the band. And then he realizes what miles did. And he's like, that's some transcendent stuff right there. That's what we're looking for. That's the mastery of coaching presence. That's the thing that, when you're really connected to the client, when you're really in tune with those three intelligences, when you're really focused on the vision the client is pursuing, where you're listening and you're really engaged, you've got high quality skills and you're still not afraid to break the rules every once in a while. That's what we want. And I'm sorry, I don't think you learn that with two afternoons at the Holiday Inn by the airport. I think that takes a little longer to learn. That takes a little longer to, to develop. And uh, there needs to be... Uh, Old school or not, there needs to be a few repetitions to knock the rough edges off your coaching skills to get to that level. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. And Jonathan, it really sounds like we're talking about fluency in coaching, almost like we would in languages. And they say, like, as an English speaker, my first and primarily only language, that you can really know you're becoming affluent when you begin to dream. 
in another language. I have it, the, the jazz you're speaking to, almost like the poetry of being in relationship and asking questions is very much that same way. But this seems like one of the gaps when it comes to coach training programs, right? We give people the training wheels, we give them some repetition for those foundational pieces, and then we set them free without having the plan for how do you actually really tune your own instruments and find your own voice. Well, also, how do you create your own business authentically in a way that is in service to your clients and to yourself? So as a coach mentor, you know, what uh, what do you see as the next steps for those who are just leaving their coach training program and who are really realizing it's their time to cultivate a voice, but they actually don't know where to go first? I'm going to say three things. First of all, let, let's just be honest. In fact, I'm going to ask you guys to to agree or disagree with each of these three things that, I, that I'm going to say. First of all, let's just be straight with each other. The skills we use as coaches are not that tough. Learning to listen, I mean, agree, disagree, a thumbs up, thumbs down? Agree. <laughs> the the no skills pressure, are not Alex. that tough. I'm, I'm like, I feel like, for somebody who's a was a better talker than a listener, I think it was tough to transition to just listening without talking. But 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 like what's the um like it wasn't hard, it's it's simple, they're simple things, but for some of us, they're hard habits to break. Yeah, I right there with you, Alex. Yeah. I as a recovering consultant, because I am, I I would much rather left to my own devices tell you what I think you should do than draw yeah. out of you what 100%. you know you should do. Yeah. What I've learned is that me telling you what I think you should do isn't that helpful, which ticks me off no end, but that's a different podcast. Yeah. So all, all this to say that the skills are not that hard to learn. What's difficult is to know when to do what. So the, 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 the first thing I would, I, I say to, to, uh, graduates of recent graduates of coach training schools is that the skills take a minute to learn, but they take a lifetime to master. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace. Um, don't be afraid to say, you know what? I didn't nail it the first time. Uh, I, I'm going to keep trying to innovate. I'm going to keep trying to push this thing forward. I'm going to keep trying to find what's what. Number two, you got to know your strengths, but you also have to know your scars. Because scar tissue probably is the thing that most of us avoid that keeps us from being our authentic coach. Now, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Um, I used to really resist highly emotional topics. In my coaching, whenever, whenever deep emotional emotions would come up in, in coaching, I would try to figure out how to get, how am I going to get out of this? How, how, how am I going to move this forward? But I realized that all that, all I was really doing was avoiding my own discomfort. I, I have a long depression history. I have a, I have a, I have a um, you know, 30 plus year depression history. And I, I didn't get to a place where it didn't drive me more often than I drove it away until the last 10 years or so. And I, I had to go through that 
and build up that scar tissue so that I could actually go to the places where strong emotions come up in, in, in the course of my, uh, my coaching conversations. So, you know, you're, you got to know your scars because there's a reason why a, you were wounded there and B why it healed up stronger than your actual tissue is in the first place. That's probably a piece of your natural coaching niche that is really unique to you being able to offer it. So, you know, figure out how to name your scars and spend some time exploring how does that show up in my, in my coaching conversation? Cause that's a, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't train you in that regard. You got to do that work yourself. So that's the second thing. Okay. So I, I said, I was going to ask you to agree or disagree. Let, let me hear your pushback on discover your scars and, and, and work that into your, uh, into your coaching presence. I mean, I agree, but I'm personally physically actually dealing with scar tissue right now. So the work that I'm doing that I didn't know I had to do is I see a physical therapist who actually like brings her hands to my tissue and like we work it out together. And when I'm at home, I'm also doing exercises and massages. So, you know, I hear what you shared. There are scars I have that are totally super powers now, but they also wouldn't be unless I took the time to be with them and took the time to actually know how to use them. Um, I think at the top of my coaching journey, I might've used a few of my superpowers at less than <laughs> appropriate times. They became strategies to, to, you know, manipulate a client to get somewhere faster as opposed to actually empowered, you know, gifts to share. And that's, right I on. think one of the benefits of really being with your scar and working it out. Yeah, man. Right on, right on. R really well said. I appreciate you saying that out loud that, that, you know, it, it's, it's tempting to use your power, not for good. And you, you have to learn what's actually appropriate, what's actually going to work in, in those conversations. You have to learn that and being able to make some of those things happen, uh, present what you have to offer in a way that makes things happen. That's not always the initial inclination. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate that. Now, you you did also say something else that's really important, Craig, and I'm going to come to that here in a second. But I want to hear I want to hear from a what comes to mind for Alex. As I, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think the thing that I would want people to hear is sometimes we just have to look to other modalities to to deal with these scars. Right? It's uh, it's not always coaching. It's not always therapy. It's not always yoga or you know going out to the desert and doing ayahuasca. Right? There's we don't know what the we don't know what it is, but there's I think that that's important to look at like hey the modality you might not be using might not be serving you or that person might not be the right fit. I it, it actually reminded me of a conversation I had with my mom this weekend where my I used to avoid the emotional stuff. And I was like, I was like the bold raw, let's go like, right. Like let's throw fastballs and hit them out of the park. And my mom is a marriage and family therapist. And she brings like this uncanny level of empathy and compassion to her clients. And when we talk about our businesses, there's like this like stalemate of, I'm like, oh, you're like way too soft on people. And she's like, you don't bring empathy and compassion. 
And obviously I've worked on, I'm not like that anymore. And she was sharing with me this weekend that she had this client that they've been working on this thing for so long. And she looked at them this week and said, okay, I'm not going to be a therapist for a minute. I'm going to be a coach and said, and then went like the hard line of by when are you going to do this? What's the consequence if you don't? And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Right? Like we we're seeing like, she's adapting, I'm adapting. And we're in the in service of those scars to me is, is, is that's how I see it. So, so what did you just hear yourself say? That, um, we had to heal some places and attend to places that we were like weak so we could grow. So, so how did your perception of yourself change as, as you went through that learning? Um, well, there's pride in that I'm adapt that I'm adaptable, that I can like shift and 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 not be, you know, one way. Um, also, I was somebody who never thought they were smart. So the fact that I could like impact my mom, who I think is brilliant, is like, well, you're you're smarter than you think you are. Um, and the fact that I can change too is like even more like people that are dumb don't change. Yeah, love that, love that. Those those, those are all three great insights that 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 just kind of clicked together as you were going through that with your mom. Love that. Now, here, here, here's the third thing I always say to, to coach training graduates, because you have both hinted at it. And that is, you can't get to that place of having your authentic business, of having your skills at the highest possible level by yourself. You know, the joke I always make, and, and I, I've literally made this joke to 50 different groups is that you think all this happens by accident. You think all this happens on its own and, and you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm gesturing up and down. My, He's showing my, us his abs. My He's showing us his, yeah. his six pack right now. He's leaning. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's right. It, it, it's uh, unfortunately it, it's one of those six packs that's in that, that plastic uh, uh, mesh where they stick the cans up in there. And it's actually choking a shark right now or something, something obnoxious like that. You know, all, all this to say that, that, Intentionally, you have to choose the people around you to maximize A, your skills, B, your understanding of yourself and your scar tissue, and C, the business you launch. And I, I'll give you the illustration is that I have a tribe of people that support me to make some of those things happen. I, I have two separate coaches. I, I, I have a small business coach. And I have a mentor coach that works with me on my, on my coaching skills. I have a spiritual advisor. I happen to be Christian as a pastor that, that works with me on, on spiritual health. I mentioned that I have a long depression history. I have a counselor that I see on an as-needed basis. Um, I, I have a, a buddy of mine. We, we talk about it as accountability. Basically, it's, it's, it's being the best um, fathers and husbands we have. We, we both have daughters that are, that are a certain age that, that – uh, uh, we're asking some hard questions. So we, he and I started talking on a regular basis. Um, I, I have a, a, a small group of friends that have permission at any time to say, hey, what's up with you? This doesn't seem right. It, it's a short list of folks that can say it either way. Hey, this seems really good. This seems really healthy and positive. Or, man, you're a mess. And and I pay close attention to uh, to. I pay different attention to that crowd. That's 11 people total that, that, that I feel like it takes for me to show up in the headspace that I need 
to serve my clients because a little bit of me rubs off on my clients every time, whether I want them to or not. I have a responsibility to my clients to make sure that what I'm bringing is as healthy as possible. So you you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, this is really important. I think I would love to hear how you, because I know I have the same thing, multiple coaches, a therapist, the support, right? I can go through the same things, right? Yeah. Um, Different, but, but similar. And I know that Craig does also. What I notice is that a lot of coaches don't, and it's, and it comes from, they like, don't, they almost like don't know how to create that like incubator for their life. Do you have any tips or advice on how do you, if you're, you know, if you got that, you got your, your coach, maybe you have your coach, but that's it. How do you create this, this, um, this community, this like incubator community that really is in service of supporting you without a lot of people feel like they're taking, you know, they're, they're using people or whatnot, or two things I'll throw out to you. Uh, maybe three, uh, first is start with a coach. If you're, if you're a coach, you should be being coached as well. And I I will tell you that I can point out all kinds of different times in my career where my coaching skills dipped off because I wasn't being coached. And about eight years ago, I just decided that um, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to put my practice in that place anymore. I'm going to make sure that I'm coached all the time. Now, the the main reason for that is that my kid wants to eat every day. And I realized that, you know, this is where it came from for me. It's very practical. I realized, you know what, if my coaching skills aren't really solid, my family might not eat. So I just said, okay, this is an investment I have to make. I can't, I can't not do this anymore. So start there, start with a coach. The second thing is wrestle with what do you want? You know, what do you want in your life? You know, what do, what do you really want to see happen as a result of your practice? And I, I, I'm in the process right now of, of, of revisiting the 10 year plan. Um, and, and I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with, Hey, what do I really want? Um, partly because of the stage of life that I'm in, partly because, you know, we just came out of a global pandemic that's got everybody asking really hard questions about, about all of this. You know, my, my wife, daughter, and I all had COVID-19 and we've had pretty significant side effects as a, as a result of it all. It's making us just go, hey, what actually happened? What actually do we want to happen in the next season? And giving yourself permission to dream about that, to wrestle with that is, you know, that's a gift. That's a gift you're giving yourself. And then once you've got that picture in mind, your coach, and that's something you should talk about with your coach, by the way, you know, it's then time to give yourself permission to say who else might be able to help. and. There's, there's two sub questions underneath that. One is, do they want to help? Because not everybody, you know, I, I can think of a couple of people that I know in, in, in the world that I think would be great help to me. They're not that interested in helping me. It's a two, that's a two way street. You got to want their help and they got to be willing to help you. And then secondly, um, 
please don't ask them to donate their time to you. Make it worth their while. Give, give, give them something in return. Maybe it's money. You know, I pay both my coaches. Um, maybe it's money. Maybe it's something else. You know, maybe it's, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've had business development opportunities, you know, people helping me with business development where they've said, hey, I'm not going to charge you for this. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to volunteer or make a donation to this not-for-profit organization, this cause that I appreciate. And, you know, I, I always try to take that seriously. And if somebody asks me for help, that's what I ask them to do is I've, I've got a not-for-profit organization here in Cleveland that I, that I, I really believe in that um, I say, look, if you, if, if you want my help, this is what I ask for in return. So think about who you might, who might be able to help you and how you might be able to compensate them. Give them something back in return for helping you. And you'll be, uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, by the combination of coach, clarity about what you want, and strategically choosing who can help. It, it, it builds that community in a, in a meaningful way. You know, I'm really struck by a First off, the agreement you have with your friends is one that I've been craving for a while. And I'm just at the place where, A, a couple juicy friendships of a few years, if not longer, I feel like they're primed for that conversation, but I have not yet had it. We're actually open the door and say, hey, I want this feedback. So I want to know if anyone heard that, they got the heebie-jeebies. You're not alone. <laughs> I both want that. And a part of me is like, well, holy shit. What am I going to find out? What have they maybe not been telling me for the past few years? <laughs> yeah, man, you got to be careful. You got to be ready. You got to be ready for what they're going to say. Um, now, I, I think the people that, because I, I have explicitly said this I don't know, to about six people, you know, you have permission at any time. And I, I've been very, very careful uh, about, about that, about who those people are. And Three out of every four times I welcome their feedback and I go, yeah, I can see that. Oh, dude, that fourth time though. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's, it's really important to remember that if you really do have a, a trusting and psychologically safe relationship with that person, there's a reason why that feedback bothers you. And it's not about the other person. It's probably about you. So, yeah, I mean, Craig, you're right on, man. It, I have exactly that tension every day about this. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. There are some times when I'll see one of those names come up on my cell phone and I'll go, crap, what did I do now? And generally speaking, I think that's healthy. Because it means I'm, I'm wanting to continue to improve, to continue to grow. But it's also a fine line that if I, if I start dreading when the phone rings, that's not right. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not helpful anymore. So, yeah, I, getting into that place where, where you're working the relationships, but the relationships are also working you, that's what you want. That, that's the balance we're after. I will happily report back in a few weeks <laughs> when I get right. the first message how it goes. But I'm excited to take that on. I think that's a real 
game changer when it comes to relationships, truly. Good for you. Let me know how it goes. Seriously, I I mean that. Jonathan, um, the time is like flying by. I want to remind people a couple things. First off, that you have a book called Coaching Hacks, uh, Simple Strategies to Make Every Conversation More Effective. And you've actually been generous enough to say you want to give five of those away today. So if the the first five, I'm just going to say the first five emails we get to uh, send an, send your name and email to producer at accomplishmentmedia.com. And the first five people can get a copy of Coaching Hacks. Thanks for doing that. Um, yeah. I'm, Craig, don't send an email right now. You're not allowed. That's cheating. I wanted to. Um, I saw that and thought, <laughs> I'm going to jump on that from another email account. Call me Claude. <laughs> um, uh, Jonathan, is there anything? Oh, wait. I want to tell also where people can like find more information about you. If they go to your website, I was just kind of scrolling through it. Um, first of all, it's beautiful. It's like very elegant, um, very professional. Uh, it also, I love the like little thing you did where you put like, uh, it's like a math problem, goals plus learning plus action over relationship. I love that. And like what it got me thinking about everything is over relationship, basically. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, so your website is uh, Jonathan, and I'm going to spell your last name for people. So it's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-R-E-I-T-Z.com. Um, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? Anything else you want to say as we wrap up? The I, I appreciate the the kind words about the book and about the about about the website and and those kinds of things. Um, the last seed I would plant with folks as you think about developing your authentic practice, as you think about putting yourself out there, is that you have to put yourself out there. You know the the I thought about including this in the things to say to uh, coaches that are just starting out. But one of the one of the big myths of the coaching world is that you slap a website up, you make it look a little pretty, and all of a sudden clients will line up and find you. That's not the case. Clients don't find coaches. Coaches find clients. So you have to put yourself out there a, a little bit. And that's not only scary, but it's also a great way to discover, hey, what is my attitude about my scar tissue? And how is it that I can uh, really take advantage of the skills that I've worked hard to master in service of that other person? And that's the key point, is that the thing I love about coaches is that we're the only people I know who are motivated by how can I help the other person change the most? To me, that's the thing that that differentiates coaches from everybody else is we're about helping other people change, not just putting ourselves out there. Craig, anything you want to leave us with? Um, that's just beautiful. And I'm John, I am totally enamored with you. So I will say, I'm imagining if people want a mentor coach, you probably have some availability. And I will say I'm completely enrolled <laughs> on who you right are on. and what you're being. So we might be having a future conversation. That'd, that'd be great. <laughs> love, love, love to work with you and love to uh I don't know. I I I feel like I stumbled into this coaching thing. Like I said, I brought I I got asked to be on this this team 
that uh, w- was given a challenge in the broadcasting company that I worked with. And the guy they brought in, it turned out it was a guy named Steve Martin. He was not that Steve Martin, but his name was Steve Martin. And he ended up being my first mentor coach. One of these kinds of things where you, 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 you I watched him work with this team and I was like, what is that? And I talked to that guy every week for the next five years after, after that session, um, just because he had put himself out there in a way that coalesced this team full of giant egos into a working hole. And I was one of them. I was one of the giant egos into this working hole. And I, I never forgot that going, man, how did that happen? And if he hadn't said at the end of the conversation, yeah, we should keep in touch, which uh, I'm saying to you right now, uh, lots of things would not have happened as a result. So happy to uh, talk with you more about this. Would love to keep in touch. Thank you both. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having a fun conversation. I love, we, we got into some really deep, cool, powerful things, but we also kept it really light and, um, and like vibrant. That's like the word that, that hits me is like, it was very vibrant and uh, also I want to say learned. Learned isn't a word, but I'm an innovator. I, I'm a, I create words. Uh, it was a very learned conversation. Um, so anyone that wants to find you, Jonathan writes, and the last name it's spelled R E I T Z dot com. Um, thanks for being here. Coaching Hacks is your book. So appreciate your time, Craig. Thanks for being here. Thanks for figuring it out from the woods. You can find Craig uh, Cassie at Craig, C-A-S-S-E-Y.com. You can find him on Instagram, throw a junior at the end of that. And I am Alex Terranova. You can find me at thedreammason.com or as inspirational Alex on Instagram. Thanks for being with us for another episode of The Coaching Show. Maybe Christopher will rejoin us. Maybe he'll be another one of those. He's no longer with us. We'll never know. We're going to find out in the future. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.